Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hello to all of our fungal associates out there, and hello, Casey. Hello, Alex. Casey, do this for me. Imagine a job mm. where you can work whenever you want, okay, on whatever you want, Ooh. from wherever you want. Ow. Where would you choose? Mm, a tree. Naturally. Is that too obvious? No, I... Well, y- not too obvious, but yeah, okay. it is obvious. On brand obvious. Now, what if I told you that this dream job could become your reality? I would do it. This is the life of a freelancer like me. And with some hard work and the help of Hectic, it could be your life too. Hectic is an all-in-one business management software built specifically for freelancers like you who are just getting started or looking to take their freelancing business to the next level. From an easy-to-use contracts and proposals builder to client management and project tracking to expenses and invoicing that features click-to-pay technology that makes it quick and easy for freelancers to get paid. All of the stuff that freelancers hate doing the most, hectic takes care of it. Built specifically for freelancers, hectic is everything you need to get started. Visit gethecticapp.com slash completely arbitrary now to learn more and start for free. Yep. Adding your first client on the platform will always be free. And if you sign up through gethecticapp.com slash completely arbitrary, you'll be supporting us in this podcast because who couldn't use a little extra support right now, Casey? Oh, yes, please. Visit gethecticapp.com slash completely arbitrary and arbitrary is spelled A-R-B-O-R-T-R. A-R-Y, to find everything you need to start or grow your freelancing business today and put those in-demand skills to good use the way you've always dreamed of. Casey, I wish I had hectic app when I lost my job to COVID in March. That probably would have been pretty helpful because you could have basically started yourself as your own business. Yeah. Instead, I fumbled my way through everything and life was hell. <laughs> Visit gethecticapp.com slash completely arbitrary. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y today to get started. Man, that sequoia is so meta. (laughs) Hello, everybody, and welcome to this podcast. Title, Completely Arbitrary. Host. Alex Croson, other host. Me. I suck. Hey, how dare you say that about my friend Casey. (laughs) And me, Casey Clapp. Hi, Casey. Hey, Alex. 
How you be, my man? I'd be good. My arms are tired from lifting up this massive book. Yes, Casey is holding a new book of his. It looks like a uh, science textbook. I think it basically is. It might as well be. Here, let's see if you can hear how big it is based on the sound when mm. it closes. <laughs> Was that huge or what? That could be used uh, as a punching sound effect. <laughs> In a movie. I think we should use it later. Alex, you've wronged me for the last time. And I'm just going to close this book a bunch of times and people are going to think that we're getting in a brawl. That'd be a lot of fun. Hey, we might have found a niche for ourselves. We're like uh, we're like Foley podcast artists. It's like ASMR brawl. <laughs> yes. You just, all, no movement, you just hear the punch sounds. I've got a, I've got a, a, a side of beef in the fridge. We could punch that. <laughs> I, I'm not training to be a boxer. <laughs> uh, Casey, uh, how you doing? I can't remember if you answered me. I don't think I did. I think I'm doing great. I'm, I, I'm feeling good. It's a beautiful day out right it now. It sure is. Like, I'm in a good, comfortable spot. I'm just chilling. We're going to talk about a cool tree today. We just, I just, everything's looking up. Yeah, the only bad part about it being a beautiful day is that we are inside recording this podcast. That's true. Well, anyway, uh, welcome to the episode. This one is special. And I'm going to, Casey, I'm going to I'm gonna say that specifically this, this episode is special to you. Yes. Because we are discussing one of your favorite trees and a tree that produces your number one favorite cone. I love this cone. I'm so, I you're right. I don't know. I'm I just I'm so giddy. Yeah, you're 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 in a good mood. I'm in a good mood. I say we get into it, my man. The Don Redwood. Lovely. I love it. Metasequoia glyptostroboides. Metasequoia glyptostroboides. That's right. In fact, if you are watching this episode, there should be a phonetic uh, definition of it. Phonetic spelling? Is that what it is? Uh, uh, pronunciation? Yeah, let's go pronunciation. Yeah. yeah. Metasequoia glyptostroboides. Yeah, it's a it's a mouthful, but a fun mouthful. I love it. If, if you it don't flows. mind me saying. I don't mind. Not at all. Metasequoia glyptostroboides. The Don Redwood. That's the tree we're talking about today. That's right. Well, uh, Casey, as we as we do every episode, we're going to imagine that we're walking through the forest. Mm, close your eyes, everyone. The birds are chirping, mm. and you come across a beautiful Don Redwood. What do we see? I was just lost in that for a second. Like, I'd even <laughs> closed my eyes, and I was just like, this is the greatest forest in the world. Casey went into a fugue state. I did. <laughs> I started floating. That was wild. Okay, all right, focus here. The Don Redwood is one of the most beautiful trees. So if you're walking through the forest, mm-hmm. house, you will see this really like wide, buttress-based tree that then grows up with this uh, fibrous, orange, tannish-colored bark that um, appears soft, kind of looks like a giant sequoia a little bit, mm-hmm. and it grows straight up. It has just like this perfect... like columnar kind of form where it just has one single stem it grows straight up and it has a very uniform branching pattern the branches come out like 15 or 20 degrees coming straight up like a you're, you're kind of standard um the term is actually um x current form where it has that like uh huh. you know like when kids draw trees i think we might have talked about this once where it has like you know a conifer tree they would do like a line and then a triangle on top yes this it is looks, a triangle tree? This is a triangle tree. Casey, you know I love a good word. I'm a big fan of the English language. Yeah. Columnar might be Ooh. one of my new favorites. I didn't. I That was not the word I'd expected you to choose. Oh, you thought I was going to say uh, the one I can't remember. Yes, I did. That one. The triangle tree. The triangle tree. Excurrent. Excurrent. Yes, columnar. I like it a lot. It's a really beautiful tree in the sense that it has... 
Um, also, this is this is kind of the thing that everyone's probably going to be like, what? Huh? It's a deciduous conifer. Alex just freaked out. He's gone again. I don't know where he went. Now, I know what this means because I've been listening to this podcast. <laughs> as like, recorded. Which podcast is he going to bring up? <laughs> uh, deciduous means that it loses its leaves. Correct. And a conifer means that it grows a cone. Yes. And usually a conifer is an evergreen. Yes. But this conifer loses its leaves, in this case, needles. That's exactly right. Yes. Thank you needles very much. Needles are leaves. I know. Everyone, give a round of applause. Ra- oh, a round gosh. Of thanks, applause. everybody. Yeah, seriously. Everyone, the dog's even clapping. Yep. Now, he, oh, no, he's itching his he's shoulder. He's itching his shoulder. Yeah. Is there, a, is there a jackhammer outside? You know what? I'm a little worried about the construction happening outside my apartment complex. Mm. Um, if it, It'll add a little, ooh, it'll add a little culture to this <laughs> yeah, episode. Yeah, there you go. The podcast doesn't regret the error. <laughs> no, we don't regret the in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, so anyway, you're exactly right, Alex. It is a deciduous conifer. And now there's probably going to be this huge amount of people in this world who are like, wait, what? Is that, I thought those were literally contradictory terms. Yeah, I did. The, right? They are not, though. This is the thing. The the larch is also a deciduous conifer. The bald cypress, which is very closely related to the Don Redwood. Yes. And these are all trees, so any kind of plant could be deciduous or evergreen, but then there are also conifers versus broadleafs or gymnosperms versus angiosperms mm. so it usually like you said 90 percent of the time if it is a um a conifer it is going to be evergreen right but not all the time it just happens to be just like um if you have an oak tree most people assume oaks maples they're going to drop their leaves uh-huh. there are some oaks in fact many oaks that do not that are evergreen oaks really yeah, so it really goes across the board. It just happens to be that whenever anyone thinks of um, a an evergreen tree, a lot of the time they're going to think of a conifer, a pine, or a fir, or something like that. Yeah. Also, I've seen outside uh, here on the sidewalk, yeah. there are some trees that are evergreen broadleaves. Yes, exactly. Do you know what those are on the corner here? Um, I can't picture them right now. I'm not okay. sure. But they I have know... Like, they have like big, wide, flat sort of... Oh, it's probably a southern magnolia. Oh, I think it is a magnolia. Yeah. Magnolia yeah. grandiflora, meaning cool. big flowers. Cute. Yeah. Well, speaking of ancient trees, hmm. those are both really ancient styles of trees. We're going to talk about that some other time, though. Okay. But the Don Redwood is an ancient tree yes and i know that you know like trees themselves are really super old all the time but (laughs) this tree is notably an ancient tree yeah in fact so ancient it's another one of the living fossils like last week we talked about the ginkgo la ginkgo or as i know it by its latin name oh Oh, no why did i set this up (laughs) i suddenly can't remember that was so perfect. It flew from my brain like a uh, thief in the night. What is it, Case? Ginkgo biloba. Oh, I would never have remembered that. I know. I'm sorry. It's one of those where the, the scientific name is it's the just common name. It's name. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. Magnolia, same thing. Magnolia right. grandiflora is the southern magnolia. Yes. It's great. Well, so the ginkgo is ancient. Like, absolutely. It's older in terms of its uh, genealogy. I'm sorry. Its existence. 
Mm, I don't it has know, existed yes. longer? Yes. We found it in the fossil record like 225 million years ago. Okay. Whereas the Dawn Redwood, we've only seen that for maybe the last 9,500 million years. Only 9,500 <laughs> As soon as I said that, I was like, only. That I mean, that is, though. A, uh, it's a young buck. Yeah, that's, that's a drop in the bucket. Exactly. As far as time goes. Oh, time. Well, so... The Don Redwood, we have found it in uh, as a part of the fossil record for a hundred million years. Mm-hmm. And what's unique about it is we thought that it was extinct. And we're going to tell the story of the Don Redwood here today and kind of express or kind of explain how and why we thought it was extinct and then how we found it. We sure are. We being this, you know, larger science. I always have to note that because there's always somebody somewhere that knew about this tree, just not in the way that we speak about knowing about trees today. You know what I mean? Yes. I thank you for specifying that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, of course. So usually when you say we, you mean Western science Correct. because you are a Western scientist. Yeah. I, I'll accept that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, uh, so when like early 1900s, everyone go back in time, you're walking around, you're looking at some things, you're digging some holes, you're looking for oil and you're trying to become a robber baron and drink other people's milkshakes. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you run across all these fossils and you're like, wow, what are, what is this? And they start to like send them over to the universities. And then these old geologists would be like, oh, well, this looks like it's a kind of conifer. Oh, well, this looks like it's a sequoia. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, wow, this is actually kind of is a unique sequoia. We have the redwoods, we have the bald cypress we have the giant sequoia and this one that we found in the fossil record was just ever so different it had leaves that came out more between us or had uh parts that were like the bald cypress and they had leaves that were like the giant sequoia and it had you know it has all these kind of middle traits between a bunch of these so they're like well this is a new species that we found only in the fossil record it went extinct millions of years ago Mm. and so we just assumed oh yeah it's an extinct tree no one's ever found a living specimen and what year was this you said early early 1900s yeah maybe 1905 1910 somewhere in there got it uh and so we were just like, oh, cool, whatever. And, you know, we just moved on. Kept finding these fossils, though, everywhere across the uh, the northern areas of the northern hemisphere. So mm-hmm. in uh, Canada, Alaska, Russia, China, Japan, everywhere in the northern United States. Oh, for instance, um, if you go to the Badlands National Park or Yellowstone National Park, yes. they have like full trunks of trees that are petrified yeah i've seen pictures what is this place called uh these are well these are two national parks or uh, no the uh the petrified forest i think is that what it's actually called no because that's actually another national park down in arizona oh okay and that has like cycads and ginkgos and a couple other conifers that are extinct i see 100 percent. we have not found those and we're pretty positive we're not going to but who knows but these ones are just metasequoia uh yeah there's also other species that grow up there like oaks and sycamores Hmm. and figs there's like all these different other species that they found in these fossil deposits way up north and they're like well okay well where was where was this land mass millions of years ago and it turns out it was you know all different things all the continents were splitting up and mashing and merging and so 100 million years ago 
there were continents that were much further up into the Arctic Circle. Right. And they had actually a climate that was much warmer and much more tropical than obviously what it is today. Like imagine going into Alaska and being like, wow, this is pretty tropical. My God. Yeah. This is what, the Cretaceous period? Yes, exactly. And then after the Cretaceous, you look like you kind of took a deep breath after that. <laughs> I put a lot on the line there. <laughs> you did. It worked out. You're sweating right now. You're so worried. I need to take a break real oh fast. Oh, my God. Everyone, hold on. All right, we're back. Hey, completely arbitrary. I've we re- never we never left. Oh, I, I could always uh, I could always add a little musical sting. I think you should. I like adding musical stings. You are a musician. <laughs> All right, anyway. musical sting. What are we talking? The police here? <laughs> what? All right, okay. So imagine Alaska as a tropical wonderland. Yeah. So you have this tropical wonderland, semi-tropical wonderland, but you still had the earth was still rotating more or less in the same way that it is today. Okay. So it's tilted on its axis and you have a the polar lighting effects where in the uh, in Alaska during three and way north in the Arctic Circle for three months of the wintertime, there's zero sun. Right. So the Don Redwood is a deciduous conifer and it was growing way back when there were deciduous forests growing all the way up through Canada, way into the Arctic, you know, what is now tundra and sort of ice caps, right? Mm. So the fact that there was a lack of light meant that this tree actually was an extremely successful uh, component of these forests because it would grow up, it would have all of its leaves out during the three months of pure sunshine with no darkness, it would absolutely destroy, and then all the light would go away, it would drop all of its leaves, it would go dormant, and then it would get cold, sometimes it did get below freezing, and then the sun would come back and it would pop itself back out again. That is That is so brilliant. Isn't it? So it's okay. Clarify something for me. Sure, it has needles because it, because it needed to be tough. No, it not not because it needed to be tough. It just happened to be that that's how it was. That's the morphology of that okay. kind of plant. Oh oh oh! I thought it. I thought it had needles for a specific purpose. Oh no! Because it was not. in the Arctic and it needed. Well, I guess if the Arctic was tropical, yeah. Ignore everything I've said. <laughs> no, I think what you just said is actually a really important conceptual idea. Okay, cool. Where the world 100 million years ago was so completely different than what it is now, mm-hmm. where you just then were saying, well, okay, well, I'm thinking about what it is now and thinking that maybe needles were important. Today, yes, a big, tough yeah. needle that has a really thick cuticle of wax around it is much more adaptable for super northern areas today. I cringed when you said cuticle of wax. Oh, Why? You don't like that? I, the combination of those words and sounds and <laughs> okay. meanings. I won't I won't say cuticle of wax again. But it is a great metal album. So it didn't need needles. It just happened to have them. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it developed. I mean, no one's 100% sure where it actually, where was the first species? And it's really hard to like pinpoint like, okay, during this year in this place was the very first species oh, of God. this kind. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a diffuse process. It happens over millions of years. Okay. So at one point, they just found that there was all of a sudden these fossils in the you know this record. They dated it back to a certain time, and then that tree, for whatever reason, just kind of moved around. So it was like, all right, well, I'm adapted. I'm I'm doing well. I'm putting out new seeds, and those seeds are growing. And so it would just continue to expand its territory over millions of years until it was growing as a constituent of 
all of these other forests around the entire northern hemisphere of the world. So it's kind of like this really slow conquering. Yeah. And it's just like when you think about the distances, it's like over 250 uh, or 2,500 miles at 40 degrees latitude around the world. And this tree just marched its way across Canada, across America, across uh, Russia, China. Like, it's it's a huge amount of space. There are times on this podcast where I not feign, but I have to kind of, like, compromise on my amazement about something. <laughs> okay. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah, but tell me more. Well, I, I have to I have to say, you, you say, like, a really interesting fact, and you're like, oh, my God, isn't that incredible? And yeah. I'm like, I guess I could see how that would be incredible, but I have to kind of, like, meet, meet you halfway. Yeah, all right. The idea that this tree, like, covered that amount of land, and we, we know how much land it covered, yeah. is so insane it's wild the fact that we can piece that together by finding like fossils here fossils there fossils this dating it at all yes and then like painting this whole picture you know but also just like the the land mass that it was able to 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 canvas is yeah. incredible it's wild yeah and so and it just happened to be that the don redwood as a species of tree had all the right traits and one of those traits that i find interesting Again, and this is going to come up, I think, almost every other show, every single show probably, hmm. is the fungal associates that it Hell made. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Shout out. Yeah, what's up, you guys? So, the, God, we're so white. <laughs> we are so awful. So, the, um, the fungal associates that worked with um, the roots that actually made the, um, the mycorrhizal connections with Don Redwoods, they helped it be so successful across this entire area. Hmm. So basically the the tree and the relationships that it created over, you know, millions of years of existence ended up taking over this entire area. Now of course like I said, it's a constituent, so it wasn't like dominant, you know, forest, not that we know of. Sure. Because we found hundreds and, you know, of other fossils with these trees. Oh, okay. So it wasn't like a it wasn't like a forest entirely made of metasequoia. Exactly, yeah. There were oaks and sycamores and all these other species gotcha. that grew with it. Um, but what's fascinating is that over time, as climate changed and the, the um, different water areas and mountains rose, because actually this is fun. Hmm. So when this tree initially evolved and was growing in northern North America, the Rockies didn't exist. That's wild. The Cascade Range didn't exist. The Himalayas didn't exist. Oh, boy. So as these things came up and changed the climate, there used to be like inland seas all over North America and over in Asia. Those have dried up. As you know, as we're marching through tens of millions of years at a time, yeah. then all of a sudden, the whole climate of the world changes. It cools, glaciers start to develop, and the glaciers start pushing the tree, the, the tree line basically lower and lower in latitude. So basically, all of a sudden, the trees that used to dominate in the north could no longer do it. Conditions oh. just changed. So all of a sudden, as these conditions were changing, the world was getting drier, the world was getting cooler. All of a sudden, the Don Redwood disappeared from mm. the fossil record. This is where our story comes to a nadir, if yes, you will. Yes, the low point. It is. It is. Uh, it is sort of like a milestone in the story of the Don Redwood. It is, and all, all of a sudden, it was like, "Well, I guess it's gone." Yeah. But then, surprise, surprise! What happened? China never disappoints. <laughs> In this wacky, like, just this little, I don't want to say wacky, it was this <laughs> this village, I, I say wacky because it's like, you know, one of those coincidences that you don't expect, and everyone's like, wait, come on, what, you did, 
Wait, you found a tree? Yeah. What kind of tree? The situation is The situation wacky. is yeah, wacky. Yeah, I got you. The village is probably quite quaint. Yes, I would love to see it someday. Yeah, so in the Sichuan... Uh, I think province, yeah, yeah. of China, um, in this kind of sort of mountainous area, mm. they ended up, uh, they being a surveyor, a Chinese surveyor, found these trees in this village, and he talked to the villagers, and they said, oh, that's a, that's a water fir. And so then they said, mm. oh, there's this you know, big, massive, huge tree. And they told a plant explorer in China. Then that plant explorer went back over to the Arnold Arboretum, it was like, hey, so I'm pretty sure that there's this really strange tree that they're talking about, like this massive big conifer growing in this forest. And then Arnold Arboretum was like, go find out what it is. What is Arnold, Ar- Arnold Arboretum? Oh, gosh. Arnold Arboretum. Besides a tongue twister. Uh, it is. That's really difficult. Arnold Arboretum is a, um, it's a world famous arboretum, like a natural um, it's a living museum of trees, oh. and it's one of the oldest, and it's over in Boston, outside Boston, wow. run by Harvard University. <gasps> we should go see it sometime. Oh, my God. I would love to. I've, I guess I have seen it a couple times, oh, okay. but it is, I, love I to think go back. it was only in the winter. Oh, yeah. I didn't really explore it. I think I like drove by. Oh, I, I, I feel a special Patreon episode oh, coming. Oh, God. No, it, we'll make that one free to everybody. Yeah, That's as soon as we can all cool. get on planes and walk around things again. Oh, yeah. Uh, I want to go there. I want to go to all the Arboreta in the world and just check them out. So they sent this surveyor back to China. Yep. And what happened then? Found the tree and then found these like a couple different groves in Sichuan province and was like, this is, they just found some fossils of this in Japan. Wow. This is an ancient tree. We thought this tree was extinct. Brought back the tree and then they started comparing the fossils and the living specimen that they have and were like, oh my God, we just rediscovered, we being again, Western science, Mm a tree that we thought had gone extinct millions of years ago. And we found these, a couple little tiny groves in central China. That's so sick. It is incredible. And guess when we did this? Uh, well, I actually have a oh, pretty good guess. Shoot. Okay, shoot. Go for it. It was around the 1940s, it right? It was, yeah. The surveyor was in 1944, I think, during That's, World War II. Yeah. And then the 1948 is when Arnold Arboretum sent this plant explorer over to bring it back to the United States and kind of send off those seeds from Arnold Arboretum in 1948 to a bunch of other Arboreta and um, botanic gardens like Missouri Botanical Garden. Oh, they collected seed. They did a collection from this from yes. this grove to, to plant it elsewhere. That's exactly And right. that's why we have them here. Exactly. But one hmm. thing to note, what? every single tree that is planted outside of these groves in China is less than, what, I think that's 82 years yeah. old? Yeah. So if everyone sees a, a Don Red one's like, that tree must be ancient. Nope. That is, that is really interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. 
After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. And so it's just one of the, so it's a cool tree for all these different reasons, but we haven't even really talked about the fact that it is, it grows incredibly in almost all the temperate regions of the world. So again, because it is a, um, uh, it was growing in these northern latitudes all the way up through the Arctic Circle. It mm-hmm. can take freezing temperatures and pop back with no problem. Huh. It can take a little bit drier temperatures. It can grow at the fringes of water. Remember, they called it the water fur. <gasps> yes. So that is because it liked to grow next to stream sides. Okay. So because this tree was so is so adaptable and was so adaptable, now it can grow and compete and be planted almost anywhere in the world, and it will grow just fine. That's incredible. And so what's fascinating is now we plant it everywhere. It's an actually extremely common tree. I saw two of them yesterday. Really? Yeah, just, just yesterday. I want to see one. Well, we can go by. I I feel like we say this basically every episode where (laughs) you're like, I saw one of these trees yesterday and I'm like, I've never seen one before in my life. (laughs) Well, we could go and I can show you. You have seen them, I guarantee. Yeah. Are there any in Hoyt Arboretum? Mm, Yes, there are several. Well, we are taking a trip there soon. Oh, I'm so excited. We'll we'll see them then. Done. Cool. We'll show lots of pictures of them, of course. Hey, I think I'll... Can I can I collect cones from that trip? Yes, you can. If they've already fallen on the ground? Yeah, I wouldn't take too many. And also, we can find others elsewhere. Okay. Yeah, but the only reason I say that is because in places like Arboretum, Arboreta, yeah. they, you know, they, you want everybody to be able to see what they look For like. For sure. Yeah, that feels yeah. like more of a protected space. It is, yeah. I but, would never go to like a dinosaur exhibit and be like, can I take one of these femurs? Yeah, well, thanks. It's really beautiful. I really, <laughs> little, I can really throw my dog, throw it for my dog. Load, loaded into the station wagon. <laughs> yeah, right. So, yeah. So, the, it is the a last fascinating thing that I really like about this Don Redwood hmm. is that it has essentially outlived all of the different things that would affect it negatively. Yeah. So, it has a, uh, like, there's no insect diseases that get it. There's no, Sorry, there's no insects that attack it. There's no diseases. It doesn't decay. It can take really tough conditions, and it's just a bomber tree. It's also beautiful. Yeah, what I really like about the appearance, and I maybe I maybe should have said this, you know, for structure reasons back in the beginning when we <laughs> talked about the appearance. You're ruining this whole thing. <laughs> but I really loved. I really love its. It's. It has needles, which I'm like, okay. I yeah. generally, I like. Uh, broad leaves over conifers, oh. but I like cones more right. than anything. So yeah. I, you tell me, but the needles are like super velvety and soft. Oh my God. They are. They look soft. They feel soft. Yeah. They're perfect. You could probably use them to make a pillow. Don't you reckon? Mm, yeah. Well, I don't think they, they, they don't really expand. Like oh. I think once you lay on them, they just kind of crush and compact really easily. Okay. I guess if but you were maybe. in dire need, you could lay some fronds down. Oh yeah. You totally could. Cool. But yeah, so I think that it is right now they're planted in the streets as yard trees and they are just, they're classy, they're elegant, they have everything you want in a tree. That's a great yard tree. It is really. I I could not agree more. Cool. Well, Casey, I think we've said all we need to say. I think we have. Let's get to the review section of this tree. I'm so excited. As you know, we rate trees every week on a scale from zero to 10 golden cones of honor. Casey, as our resident expert, we will begin with Yo. Okay. All right. So as I noted, this is just one of my top favorite trees. It's beautiful. It's elegant. It is 
like the perfect form. It's outlived most of the things that would cause it any trouble. It can grow in a thousand different places. And a deciduous conifer is just cool outright. Yeah. Last two things that really do it. I love the cone. I think, did you say this earlier? Did we say this earlier? I did mention that it is your favorite cone. It is my favorite cone. Yeah. I love them. I once gave them out. I was at a um, an Arbor Day celebration. And I gave them out as like uh, gifts to all the little kids and people who would walk by. That's because people are like, "Oh man, I love this cone," and I'm like, "Yeah, totally, yeah, you want it?" I'm like, what? <laughs> and I just give them out like candy. It was great. like a candy at a parade. You're just like <laughs> tossing <laughs> them into the yeah, crowd. Exactly. That is just so on brand for you. Thanks. Yeah. This whole situation. And this was before I even had an idea of what a podcast could be. <laughs> just a boy who loved cones. <sighs> Well, so the last thing that I would dig about this, it is the state fossil of Oregon. That's really cool. Yes. So, all this considered, mm-hmm. 9.8 out of 10 golden cones of honor. I love this tree. 9.8. 9.8. Our highest rate, well, no. Mine, yours, you, you've given a perfect 10. That's right. Your highest rating, 9.8 cones 9. of honor. 9.8. Golden cones of honor for- It's great. The Metasequoia Stryptosporides. That's it. That's the one. <laughs> Glyptosporides. <laughs> I couldn't say it all in one unbroken string. I think that's okay. You got to take take a breath in between it. It's so long. I guess I could just call it the Don Redwood. You could do that, but that sounds so unscientific. Uh, Casey, I love so many things about this tree. I, of course, <laughs> I can't say for sure because I've never seen one in real life. <laughs> I'm sure I have. I just can't, you know. Picture just, it. All right, we're gonna we should put this on hold. I think we've done this like three times. Where we're like, all right, let's go shop and look at this tree. Yeah, and then we never actually do. We will. We, we will. will. We absolutely will. We're gonna go on a road trip and take pictures. I love many things about it. One, I think it's a great comeback story. I think it's incredible that it was like missing for millennia, and then just showed up one day. Yes, one day. Uh, hey guys, uh, do you have any like beer? <laughs> What? what? Where'd I, you come from? I, I say showed up, but it was it was there all along. That, but you know, Western scientists found it one day. I'm trying to give a good like, you know, yeah, like it it, it was lost to the rest of the world. Yes, and now the rest of the world's like, wait a second, no, there it is. It was isolated in this small part in China, but yeah. I think it's cool that it was like rediscovered by you know people, and um, that's a great story. I love that. I think so. I do. Th- I've seen pictures, and I think it's a beautiful tree. Mm. I love the fact that it's a it's unique in that it is a deciduous conifer. The cones are very adorable. You brought me several when you uh, came over to record, and I have them in a little glass jar. I think it's really beautiful, and I love those cones. Those cones also uh, surprisingly small for how big and glorious this tree is. It's only like they're maybe an inch long or so. Oh, I would say half inch. What? I mean, the ones you gave me. Maybe oh. you give me the duds. Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe they go, sorry, sorry. I just gave you the, the leftovers. <laughs> These ones didn't make the collection, Alex, and none of the kids wanted them, so. But I didn't know any better, so. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's cool that they have such small cones, and yet it is such a big, glorious tree. Exactly. I also, Casey, you are my good friend. I love you a lot. I love you. What can I say? And I love that you love this tree, and I appreciate your love for this tree. I love seeing you talk about it because you get so passionate. It's like watching Mozart perform a symphony (laughs) live in front of the king. That makes me laugh so much. (laughs) I give the Don Redwood a 9.4 golden cones of honor. Just a little less. Yeah. Well, when you see it, I bet you we're going to get that other point four. 
You think so? Yeah. But I still have to say, this. we both gave it like nines of yeah. some kind. That's our first, we're both over nine. That's an honor. My God. All right. This is, I'm, I, don't, I, I think that's a perfect rating. Casey, under the circumstances, I have a little something for the Don Redwood. <gasps> what? If you give me a moment. I will. <laughs> is, this, is this the, the melodica? <laughs> All right. For those of you who can't see, Alex is getting out his melodica. He's getting it ready. And I think he might play us a song when we both, we had talked about this. I don't think we ever actually agreed or like really made it a thing. But if we ever rated a tree, both, ex- both very high, that there would be a fanfare that Alex plays for it. I think he's going to do it. Don Redwood, this is for you. Should have fucked up. <laughs> All right, I need to do it in a different key. I think it's beautiful. Keep going. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh, hold on. Congratulations, Don Redwood. You did it. <laughs> oh, salute to you. I am so elated right now. I think my my mouth, my face hurts from smiling so much. <laughs> well, everybody, that was our glowing review of the glowing Don Redwood. Metasequoia glyptostroboides. Yes! A fabulous tree. Casey, it's time to play... A game. What? Another game? Another game. Let's do it. We're calling this one The Cone Zone. Okay, Casey, here is how this game works. The game is called The Cone Zone. You, Casey Clapp, have a very impressive collection of, what, 60 different species of cones? What? Yes, I think so. Uh, You have brought me a large selection. Mm -hmm. I have chosen five of these cones, five jars. What? Oh no no! I was just I was just repeating without vocalizing. Oh, I thought you were telling me to shush. Oh no, sorry. No, I said a... I was going five, but oh. without saying five. Yes, five. I mouthed it. Okay, sorry. It's five. I'm a professional. <laughs> five cones, five jars, uh, from left to right. Casey, you are. Let me start over. You're blindfolded. That's part oh, of the game. I didn't know that. You have a buff over your eyes. You cannot see a thing. Can't see a thing. How you can, however, feel a thing. So one by one, you will feel these cones. Okay. And just from feeling them, you will tell us what species of cone it is. Okay. Now, Casey, here's what I want you to do. Mm -hmm. You're going to select a cone. This one. You're going to go left to right there. And you're going to open it up and you're going to pour it in your hand. And you are going to describe to us exactly what you're feeling. Okay. And then you will guess the cone. And then you, you're oh. free to open your eyes and look at the tag and All tell right. us if you got it right. I'm super excited. Okay. So uh, cone number one. Here we go. Here we go. Cone number one. Open it up. I'm dumping it out. It is. Ooh, it's a tight coming fit. Coming out. It's a tight, tight fit. Can we get it out? Can we do it? Ooh, can it be done? You're losing a scale. I don't think I can do it. Oh, I think you're losing a scale. I'm going to put this one back. I'm afraid. I don't think I can get this one out. Yeah, you can. No, I can't. Pull it. Well, how'd you get it in? Well, the the cones are oriented, or the scales are oriented in a way that you can push them, but you can't pull them. I see. 
It's a pine. I can tell you it's a pine. <laughs> yeah, see, this is an extra challenge. See if you can tell us without getting it out right. of the jar. Uh, okay, all right. So uh, I see the jars a certain size. I am feeling it's got rounded sides. It is not pokey. It's probably about four to five inches long, about two and a half so inches wide. It's a pine in the pine tree family. Uh-huh. Really hope that the vacuum in the hallway is not being picked up. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta find a place to do this. We got a cacophony of noises happening this we, episode. That's a great name. I don't know what this one is. I know it's a pine. That's all I can say. Wow. I can't choose what it is. Okay. All right. Well, Casey, un- unveil your eyes right. and let us know what what species this is. There's not even a species on this. This is a trick. What is it? It's just a pine. I actually, my friend Thomas gave me this one, but it was from Guatemala, so I don't know what the species is. Well, that's cool. (laughs) All right. I got one right. But you did guess that it was a pine. Yeah. Yeah. Can we go half right? Does that count? Yeah, I'll give you half a point. Yes. Okay. Pine. Yes, pine. Close up that jar for safety. Oh, here's a special part of the game. If you can tell me, so you get you get a you get a point for the species. Yes. You You get a bonus point if you can tell me the... Latin name, oh, the scientific name. For all right, species, okay. Which I'm I'll, sure you can. Well, but. let's hope so. All right, jar number two is jar being number two. Up. We're opening it up. About what size is that jar? Okay, case? this jar is probably about uh, maybe five inches tall. Mm-hmm. It's got a uh, an open mouth. I don't know if you know this, but every cone jar should have a wide a wide mouth so you can fit the cone in. Oh sure. All right, I'm feeling this cone. It's about four inches tall. It's mm-hmm. wide. It's smooth. I know what this one is. You know, tell us I, more about it. Okay, so it's wide. It's very smooth. It's very barrel shaped. And it, it's still attached to the stem, uh, just ever so slightly. So I know that it is kind of a, um, uh, it's it's not a cone that would just fall off the tree because mm. clearly it's been ripped off the tree. So uh, it is probably about two inches wide, yep. and it's 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 all cohesive. Like you know how you feel a pine cone, and you get a like you can feel each individual scale, and like yeah. the space in between it. Right. This one, there is no space. All of the scales are mashed together, mm. like they're all pasted right on top of each other, which tells me that this is either a true fir, abies, or a true cedar, Ooh. which is cedrus. And the reason that I know it is a true cedar is that sometimes a true cedar cone will uh, sit there and be tight and compact and then stay that way. Whereas the true firs, they tend to dry and really like basically fall apart. Interesting. Both of those species or genre of tree um, have dehiscent cones, which means, or I'm sorry, dehiscent scales on their cones. And what that means is that the cones themselves will fall apart scale by scale leaving a central um, axis where all the cone scales would actually um, attach to when they're developing rather than most of the other cones of the you know tree world that the whole cone itself will stay together the scales will open up and then the seeds will fall out in this case the cone scales themselves will fall with the seeds attached to them yes and that's how they distribute themselves so this is a deodar cedar cedrus deodara let's Oh, you don't even need to check? I don't need to check. Wow. I'm going to check anyway. What a, what <laughs> oh, okay. a, wow, how confident. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. It totally is. It's so beautiful. These are one of my favorite cones. They're gorgeous. Did you know if you would get these in the right time of year, you can like throw them way high and have them just explode on the ground? You know, it's funny you say that because as as I was sitting here looking at it, I thought it looked quite like a hand grenade. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Like the barrel I, part of a hand grenade. I don't body. think it has any negative parts to it, though. Like <laughs> If you throw this and it explodes, yeah. I don't think the shrapnel will have a significant impact on your health. It's not a killing machine. Exactly. Okay. All right. Blindfold on. Blindfold is back on. Casey, cone number three is... Uh, oh. Yep, right there. This thing's adorable. It's a small jar. Oh, it's a tiny jar. A lot of people have asked me, uh, like, do I do something specific? And I do. I try to match the size of the cone and the size of the jar. Very curated. Mm, very good. All right. So this is a tiny little cone. It is difficult to orient because it's so small. <laughs> and I can't actually figure out where the bottom is. Interesting. A okay. challenge. This huh. is a challenge. Seems like a good selection <gasps> by the game master. Oh, I think I found the bottom. Oh. All right. So I'm going to feel around. <laughs> cone scale by cone scale. Okay. So these cone scales, it looks like they actually bend backwards so here's the bottom here's the top it's about an inch long an inch wide it's a tiny little cone it was in like a little sample sample jar for uh, like jam or something yes tiny little jar and so the cone scales it sounds it feels to me like they have um bent so far that they have actually bent backwards so they kind of opened up and usually they kind of open up a little bit these ones these scales feels like they've opened up and actually reflexed and gone almost backwards which tells me that this is one of two species. Uh, there's a hemlock that has cones that's about this size hmm. that um, would work, but the hemlock is a little bit taller with a little bit more cone scales. This one, the cone scales are, or the cones themselves are really tiny. So I think that this one is a Japanese red pine. Interesting. Pinus densiflora. Wow, okay. Let's remove your... I changed, I changed my answer. <gasps> what is it? It What's... might be a jack pine. Oh my goodness. Pinus banksiana. Let's hope you're right. Oh. Let's let's check out the tag case. All right, all right. Here we go. No! It's the Carolina hemlock. Oh uh, my word. I have this literally tattooed on my body. <laughs> I am just a fool. Fucking hack fraud. Listen, this podcast is completely made up. <laughs> I mean, oh. You you that was one of the ones that you thought it might be right. Yeah, I did. I thought it was this this species. It could have been this species. Yeah, but you had settled on the jack pine. What a fool! No, no, no. All right, that's not the spirit of this game or this podcast. Dang straight. All right, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to. Uh, I'm gonna try to come back from this. You know, okay. you, you get knocked down, you get up again. Because you're never gonna let keep him down. That's that's. I was trying to eternal say, words <laughs> of Chumba's Wumba's. Yes, thank you. I was like, I think I got all those lyrics wrong. Casey is uh, opening uh, jar number four. Jar number four. Let's see if I can get this little guy out. About how big is that jar, Casey? Ooh, the jar is probably about four inches. Maybe tall. Four, four or five inches tall. Yep. A couple maybe inches about, wide. Yeah, maybe an inch and a half, two inches wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a nice little cone in there. Yeah. The cone is. Also, it's a little bit shorter. It's maybe about two and a half, three inches long. Uh, let's see. It has scales that open up. You can feel the difference in between them. <gasps> I have a clue on this one. Oh, what is it? It has a bunch of little bracts hanging out. This is a Douglas fir. Is it really? Yeah, let's check it out. Oh, yeah. It's a classic cone. I mean, come on. Oh, here you go. Pseudosuga menziesii. Pseudosuga menziesii. It is. I love this cone. It's so beautiful. Fantastic. It is a great cone. It's, a. It's you know, actually, we, we had said, like, you know, 
a Douglas fir is like a little kid draws a tree and it looks like a Douglas fir. Yeah. This is like a little kid draws a cone and it looks like a Douglas fir. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So I have bad news for you. Not bad news. I'm cheating. You saw the last jar. I didn't see it, but I know this jar and I think I only have three of them. Okay. So So it's one of those three. It's one of those three. I'm going to open it up. Well, here's jar number five. Casey is opening up. This is a unique jar in that it is fitted with a cork. It's very classy, I think. It's, it's like an alchemist jar. It, yeah, it really is. All right. Let's see what we got in here. Mm. Oh, there's, I, that's just as I thought. There are several. Yep. All right. These are little cones. Little uh, cones. A bunch of little cones in here. They're all, uh, they're about an inch, an inch long, maybe a little bit more. And they're, oh, they're very square um, in profile, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. So it looks like they have, I know what this one is. Oh? This one is very topical, isn't it? Is it really? This is the Metasequoia Glyptostroboides. Aha! Uh-huh. Otherwise known as the Dawn Redwood. It is! Yeah. Oh, this is my favorite cone. Your favorite. I, I love holding this cone. I saved your favorite for last. You're the best. It is. There, I have, what, like maybe 15 little cones in this jar? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're so good. Okay, but I got to finish explaining. The cones of this tree, they have they come out, they feel in cross section, but kind of like a a rounded a rounded cube that's a little bit elongated. Yeah. Because the cones come out from that central axis opposite. So there's cones that come out left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right, and they kind of alternate 90 degrees each mm-hmm. time they come out. And then they have what's called a shield-like peltate scale. And whenever they um, come out, they create like a flat bit on this side. Then they come out the opposite degrees, ni- or opposite side, ninety degrees, and then they pop out. I guess if it's ninety degrees, it's not actually opposite. Well, we get the idea. I got to figure my terms out. I would encourage anybody listening to this to Google, uh, even if you know what it looks like, to Google an image of the uh, Don Redwood cone because they are. I mean, maybe this is bi- maybe I'm biased because it's your favorite cone, but it's one of my favorite cones as I, well. I think they're scrumptious. Yeah, they re- they remind me of a of a uh, cypress cone. Yeah, yeah, they're in the cypress family. Very, very <laughs> well, there good. You go. Jeez, why, why, why are this is why I chose you because <laughs> you just you love cones so much. I do love to learn. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, hey, how did I, how did I do? I think you got four out of five. That's not bad. Only that uh that oh. um uh what's it called. The little guy. My favorite species of hemlock. Yeah. Uh, it's not my favorite. I just really like the cone, which is why I'm so, I'm going to go home, I'm going to study this cone mm. blindfolded just to make sure I never <laughs> fail at this again. Well, Casey, you did a fantastic job. That's certainly better than uh, I could do or anyone else probably. Thank you for entering the cone zone. My man, you lost your hat behind my couch. I'm done. I, <laughs> I can't go on. Got hair in my face. That was the cone zone. Casey, it's time to move on to our completely arbitrary Q&A. Casey, this week's question is from listener Riley Shea to go everywhere on Instagram. Hi, Riley. Hey, Riley. Uh, Canadian Riley is... Let me try that again. (laughs) Riley is Canadian. Riley's question is... And I'm going to paraphrase here. Casey... And we've got this question a lot, so we are choosing Riley as our uh, ambassador of this question. People are looking for resources, good, solid, go-to tree resources, books, websites, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, podcasts. Oh, I know one good podcast. (laughs) Uh, So let's talk resources. Sounds good. All right. So I I like books a lot. Ditto that. And I know that maybe it's kind of like buying a CD. 
during the digital age. Well, I still buy CDs. All right. So there are a bunch of books that I just I live by, um, but I also go by um, regional books. So one of my favorite things to do is to like when I travel around somewhere, mm. try to find a regional book that I can read and learn about the trees for that area by someone who is writing in that area. That's cool. So let's go maybe let's go maybe your let's let's try it this way. Let's go your top five resources yeah. in no particular order. No particular order. Yeah. So if you are uh, looking to get um get started. This is actually, I just, you just had a birthday. Happy birthday, Alex. Hey, thanks. Well, for your birthday, I got you a book called Sibley the Sibley Guide for Trees. You sure did. Guide to Trees. I love it. It is one of my favorite books and it is a, um, it's a super stellar book because the guy who wrote it, David Allen Sibley, he's a birder most of the time. So he's written like the the de facto best books on how to identify birds across the entire, I think, I think North America, I think it's from Concord, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So he has a, um, an amazing ability to draw and paint these things. So all the trees and all the birds that he does, he actually paints himself. So, um, all the trees that he has in there are painted beautifully, scientific names, a couple bits of information. And if you're trying to get started with trees, this is a great book to start with. It's great. It's like my first tree book. Yeah, exactly. And that's, uh, Sibley S I B L E Y yep. guide to trees. Yep. Okay. Casey, number two. All right. There's another one that is, um, depending on if you are in Canada or if you are in the United States. There is a tree book called Trees of Canada and the Northern United States. Hmm. And the this is a tree book that's done by I think Natural Resources Canada. And they have a lot of incredible resources in each page talking about the um the uses of that tree in terms of where it grows, how it grows. It has a silhouette of all the trees. So you, if you're looking at it in the wintertime, you can say, oh, yeah, that's a catalpa. I know because it shows me the form of a catalpa. That's cool. And they also talk about everything. So they give it in French and they give it in English because mm. those are the two main languages in Canada. And they also, because it's the northern United States, it covers most of the trees that grow coincidentally in the United States, because there's a lot of trees that grow um, from Southern areas up through to the Northern hardwood forests, And so you have probably three quarters of the trees native to the U S are also native to Southern Canada or Northern U S. Interesting. So the American, the Canadian, uh, Tree, one more time. Trees of Canada and the Northern United States. Trees. And who's that by? Uh, I think it's by natural resources. Oh, right. Canada. Yes. You yeah. said that now. Okay. Um, and then there's a there's another one that I just got that I'm extremely excited about. Yes. It is called The Tree Book. You heard it earlier in this episode. You heard it being clacked That's shut. the one. It is by Michael Durr and Keith Warren, mm. um, both of which are like famous uh, plantsmen and dendrologists around the United States. What's nice about this is that it doesn't just do the native trees of some place, which is what mostly the other two guides focus on. This actually focuses on any plant that can be planted here. So it has um, different shrubs and trees that can be planted that grow in all the different varieties that you could ever want. That's cool. With a bunch of pictures. Yeah, there's a lot of pictures in that book. It's very picture heavy. Yeah, it is, which is my favorite. And it's very heavy weight-wise. It's quite heavy, yeah. It's one of my, I think it might be my second biggest book. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. It's complex. It is thorough. It's worth a a purchase. And for our fourth resource, it's one that I'm familiar with. Yes? Only gently. Tell me. Is the Oregon State Tree... (laughs) Yeah, what's there? 
catalog <laughs> that's good enough yeah. i think it's the oregon state landscape plants um that's through right. the oregon state department of horticulture yes that is an online resource uh but this is a great resource because it has um all the different trees mostly that are native to oregon so of course we're in oregon here this resource it's kind of a database it has um individual links that you can click on and you can go through all the different trees and they show pictures of the buds up close how to identify it what the scientific name means all the other trees that are native to it and then um sometimes they do like comparisons between trees that are really similar oh interesting. they're like oh well also check out this tree and this tree and they put a picture of them right next to each other so you can say oh I see the difference between the cone or between oh. the leaves or between something wow that's so helpful it is one of the best guides I cannot recommend using that enough and one more time the name of that is the Oregon State P- uh, Landscape Plants Database cool Casey for our fifth resource it's my friend Casey Clapp what <laughs> get out of town you are probably my favorite tree resource sorry That's I treat so you sweet. like a resource no I'm totally fine with that I like being a resource well I have to say that the other one that I have um, it is it's a book that is extremely specific so it may not mm. be the best applicable for everybody who's listening to this across the world what is it it is probably the book that I have used most often that's been the most destroyed and it's called plants of the Pacific northwest coast it goes from basically halfway through oregon Hmm. up through um bc like sort of uh, vancouver island okay only over to about the cascade range so it's a tiny little (laughs) sliver of the world but the reason it's so fascinating it's like a big thick book and it has a huge amount of plants it does all the grasses all the plants there are all the shrubs all the trees all the herbs they even has mosses and like lichens. Flowers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess flowers are on a plant. Yeah, they are all most right. of the time. That's very cool. It is one of my favorite books, and it also gives all of the um, the native uses of these plants. And so it will say, you know, all you know, it grew over here. These tribes used it for this. These oh. tribes use it for this. You know, all these different things, and explain how it's used still today by different indigenous peoples of the Pacific Northwest coast. I would love to see this book. I will bring it, and you'll see, like, exactly. I've left it out in the rain. It's just <laughs> it's been destroyed. But maybe, maybe I'll find a copy locally. In the name, one more time. That is plant. Of the Pacific Northwest Coast by Pojar and McKinnon. Lovely. There you go. Well, everybody, that's all we got. Casey, I've had a grand time with you. Me too. I feel like I, every every time I have a grand time with you. Yeah, I think it's mutual. Your pleasurable company, I gotta say. Oh shucks. I mean, I think it's us together. <laughs> and everybody out there, thanks for listening and supporting. Yes, and my and our producer Solo Ooh. sitting here always. Uh, Uh, supporting us well everybody thanks so much for listening again we uh just endlessly appreciate everybody who gives a damn about this podcast and trees and trees yeah thanks everybody okay bye bye completely arbitrary is produced by alex croson and casey clapp our production consultant is olivia frankie our artwork is by jillian barthold and our music is by the mini vandals thanks for listening Hello, who's ready to get down and nerdy? I'm Caitlin Keene, a plant biologist with a thirst for mycology. 
If you're into science and other interesting biology topics, listen to my new podcast, Flora Funga Podcast, releasing February 10th, where I dive into topics like how plants and fungi communicate with each other. I also cover how mushrooms can help save the world by breaking down plastics and radiation. Did you know that the smell of fresh cut grass is actually the plant screaming for help? Terrifying. Or that plants carry the same disease genes that humans do? What? Learn more fun tidbits like these by subscribing to Flora Funga Podcast. I'll be releasing new episodes every other week. Check the show notes to find the link to my website, florafungapodcast.com. I can't wait to learn and grow with you. Hope to see you soon. Have a great week, my scientists, and go learn something new today.